0: I'm no, no, no. Welcome to another episode of the kaiju transmissions podcast i am your host kyle bird and i'm matt parmley and today we are joined by a very special guest um, we have with us uh the prolific voiceover actress tiffany grant who i think most of our listeners would probably know is the uh, the voice of Asuka in Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, the ADV dub, and uh, also um, uh, Dr. Nagamine in the Gamera Trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, the the list of credits is is immense. I mean, um, Vampire Hunter D, Super Atragon, uh, uh, there's... Are, how, Tiffany, how many credits do you have at this point?
1: <laughs> um, if
0: it's um, enormous, it's, there's
1: a, yeah, <laughs> there are. So I don't know the exact number, but it's probably close to about eighteen hundred episodes of anime.
0: Yeah, so. that's that's about
1: I don't know two hundred and thirty or forty different different titles. So. You know, depending um, on how
0: you look at it. <laughs> well, thank you for for being here um, and mm-hmm. uh, being so receptive uh, and, and enthusiastic about about coming sure. on here. With us. Um So, uh, just some really quick kind of getting to know you stuff. Just at the be- starting mm-hmm. at the beginning, um, what sure. made you want to act, and were you always specifically um, interested in doing voiceover acting?
1: Um. I uh, I have lo- long referred to acting as a congenital condition. I think of it's kind of like a birth defect that I was just born this way, and there's no cure for it. Uh, so yeah, I just that I just never I never thought of it in terms of someday I am going to become an actor. Just more like this is what who I am. This is what I do. As far as the voiceover thing. Uh, I had kind of what I like to call a little Tiffany epiphany many, many years ago. Like I was maybe nine and it just really clicked with me that I could identify who certain people were who were the voices of certain cartoons that I was watching and uh, two of the examples that always pop right into my mind are um, Jim Backus, who a lot of people would know as Thurston Howell III on Gilligan's Island, and he was famously the voice of Mr. Magoo. And um, the other one is Don Adams, who I, I just adored in Get Smart, and he was the voice of Tennessee Tuxedo, and then later on Inspector Gadget. So, But I knew who those actors were because they were in TV shows that I liked, and I could recognize their voice, like, oh! this actor is the voice in that cartoon. And I was just really so interested and enamored of that whole idea. And just even listening to radio commercials or any kind of voiceover and trying to mimic what they were doing. And I had a a little tape recorder, a Sony tape recorder when I, I think I got it when I was about nine years old. And I used to write these sketches and record them sometimes by myself or with my friends and relatives and writing different sketches. So yeah, I did not have any idea how somebody would pursue becoming a voice actor or even know that term. Just, I just wanted to act. That's all, you know? So for me, that was like doing, doing plays, doing theater in school and uh, community theater and stuff like that. So that's uh that's the whole origin of that.
2: So how did you go from, you know, using a tape recorder as a, ch- you know, a <laughs> nine-year-old child to getting involved with ADV, which is something that, you know, burdened myself. I, I probably saw Neon Genesis uh, Evangelion when I was like 12, and mm-hmm. ADV released a bunch of different anime titles. So yeah. how did you become involved mm-hmm. with them?
1: Yeah, um, that's another interesting story. So, again, I was just pursuing acting, doing, you know, theater in, in school, college, community theater, and all of that. And I got a call one day, um, kind of out of the blue, from uh, my old junior high boyfriend. And he knew one of the people, one of the original founders of ADV, uh, John Ledford. And uh, Tim also, of course, knew me from, high, from junior high. And ADV was a brand new company. They had just started out releasing um, a few shows subtitled. And they were going to dub their very first show. And they decided they were going to do it themselves and they needed to find actors. And so they said to all of their friends, "Um, gee, if you know any actors, tell them to come to our audition. So this guy, Tim, who knew John and knew me, he was like, hey, uh, yeah, these people are going to. And again, I don't know how he put this because he definitely did not say dub an anime. It was more like (laughs) do the voices of a Japanese cartoon or something along those lines, I'm sure. But anyway, he told me that they were looking for actors. He says, and I remembered that you're an actor because he had seen me in plays in junior high. So <laughs> based on that, I found out about the very first auditions that ADV ever had. And I I was very excited because, you know, my little 9, 10, 12 year old self doing terrible impersonations of Barbara Walters <laughs> and writing <laughs> sketches about aliens coming to the earth to steal our toilet paper. Yeah. So I was super excited. Like what? Oh, it's a real job doing voices in a cartoon. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, I called, I, I, I went to the audition and they hired me, uh, just basically right on the spot. As soon as I did the audition, I, I got hired immediately. And that was how I started in, in anime. And that was pretty amazing. I, I actually didn't appreciate the gravity of it at the time but i i actually was the first person in texas to be hired as an anime actor so
0: that's awesome that's and that
1: is how it all happened i was there (laughs) february (laughs) 12 1994
2: oh man um so (laughs) so how long like how long is a typical uh, recording process take us through some of that
1: Mm -hmm. wow well there's not a typical amount of time because it depends on how big your part is uh, you know some of those 1800 or so episodes of anime might have been um where i went in to do some bit parts and background stuff on an episode of anime and i might have worked on it for literally five or ten minutes so it it absolutely varies wildly by uh how much there is to do um typically a depending on the studio They will usually schedule you to do, depending on the project, depending on the actor, anywhere between twenty to forty or so cues per hour. So a cue could be, (gasps) or a cue could be, I'm now going to do some exposition about what's happening in this show. (laughs) So, um, so yeah. So a cue, even a cue, could vary quite a bit. Whether it might be a gasp or a grunt or a fighting exertion or it might be actual lines of dialogue. Uh, So, you know, I've had a recording session that was five minutes, and usually the longest they'll want you to record at one time typically is about four hours, because your vocal cords are going to be pretty shot after that. I have done ones that were longer. It's pretty grueling. Um, But, yeah, it... It, it, there really, I know that's a very unsatisfying answer for me to say, but there just really is not a set amount of time that it, it just you know it depends if you're Oscar or if you're um, you know pedestrian B or something like that. Uh, yeah, it could. It just there's really not one answer for that. Sorry.
2: Well, let me pare it down a little bit more for mm-hmm. you. If you think about your time as Asuka, mm-hmm. you know, some of the heavier episodes, how long would a full episode take to record from, from start yeah. to Yeah, so like? on.
1: I would say on the average episode of Evangelion, and this is, we were recording this back from like late 96 through the end of 97 or so, um... I probably, on an episode spent, and I, and I just have to guess because that's such a long time ago, for an episode, four hours or five hours, I, I just, I don't even really know, honestly. I, I truthfully no. cannot remember to tell you how many hours it was. <laughs> Back in those days, we would record two episodes at a time because it was being released on VHS, and mm-hmm. that two episodes is what came out on a VHS tape. So the recording sessions were were really built around that. Now I cannot mm. tell you honestly did we do both episodes at one time or did I have two sessions to do it? I Wow, my memory is just not good enough to tell you that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that's fine. Um so uh, you worked on he worked on live mm-hmm. action obviously as yes, well. Yes, uh-huh. Can I've you done talk some about live maybe live action. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how dubbing live action might differ from dubbing anime?
1: Oh, yeah, it's it is really, really quite different because when when we're working on anime, you're you're honestly just trying to get it to where your your line is the right length of time. It's kind of starting and ending at the same time for the most part. Most anime, most um, TV series, most anime TV series those those mouth flaps, they just open and close. They don't match anything. They're not phonetically positioned to match Japanese or any other language that human beings speak. So you just need it to start and end at the right time, and then you're golden. But obviously, when you're doing live action, those are real people's mouths. And so you need to finesse it quite a bit more. And this is where a good script is going to really come in handy to help you kind of nuance it in there because we're trying to make it look uh, considerably better than a 1970s Kung Fu movie uh, <laughs> because we have the technology to do that. And yeah, it was, it was different. And also I found uh, personally, I thought it was quite daunting because like when we did uh, the first camera in the, in that particular trilogy, when I was doing Dr. Nagamine. Uh, um, I had been working in anime for about two years at that point. And that was before Evangelion, actually. Uh-huh, okay. And hmm, yes, indeed. Keep that in mind, folks. So uh so when you have the whole relationship with uh with Dr. Nagamine, and I can't remember his name, but Aaron Crone. <laughs> I'm just gonna call him Aaron Crone. So that is before there was a whole Asuka Kaji thing because that was pre Ava. Uh yeah, it was I was, I was really put off. I'm like, wow, okay, that's a real person. Uh, Shinobu Nakayama is a real person, and my voice is going to appear to be coming out of her face. So, yes, I can remember very, very well. The first thing that, that she says is someone calls her to the phone. They tell her that she has a phone call. And in Japanese, she says, hi, which means yes. And what we did in there was, Kay! <laughs> or like okay, and and it and it really fits in there, you know. That's you. Oh, ooh, sorry, kicked my mic stand. Uh, yeah, you have so you have to try to figure out. You know, you're saying the right thing, but phrase it in a way that looks like it's coming out of the mouth. And there's a lot more to that than just anime, where the little flippity flaps are just opening and closing.
2: I am curious, how well acquainted uh, did you get with a, a film or series before working on it?
1: Or- um. That answer, too, has changed a lot over the years. Back in the day, um, in the 90s, I used to uh, watch the shows. I had access to that, and I was able to watch everything before I dubbed it, which would be with me holding a paper script in my hands, a script or maybe not even a finished script, maybe just like a translation. Mm. And, And I was doing that, and... Eventually, I kind of got out of that habit, and that kind of started at one point where I wasn't able to get those materials in advance. And so when I went in to record, and I was doing my role, and I'm, I'm almost positive that was in uh, Goemon, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, and something very shocking happened, and I had not seen it before. And so I just had this really genuine reaction to what I had just seen occur on screen. And I liked that a lot. And to be honest, most of the time in the year since then, I wouldn't have access to any of these materials anyway. So it's probably just as well that I got out of the habit of that. But It's actually one of the things that I love about this kind of work is the ability for true spontaneity that you don't have to pretend uh, on your reaction at all. Like the actor and the character, it's happening to you both at the same time for the first time. So when you do a play or a film, obviously you've read the script, you've memorized the script, you've rehearsed it you know everything that's going to happen already in this story. And so one thing as an actor that you have to fight is um, a term called playing the end of the scene, which just means that I, Tiffany, the actor, I know what's going to happen. And I can't let that sneak through in my performance Mm -hmm. because Asuka or Dr. Nagamine or whoever... um, doesn't know what's going to happen because it's all happening for the first time for this character so when you do a play you know like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times obviously you know what's going to happen so the more you do it the more you have to really fight against that but i love that i absolutely love that in anime that i'm not seeing it until the moment i'm doing it and i i think that enables a true level of freshness and spontaneity in the in the performance and i really really like that
2: that's really neat. I, I never would have thought of mm. that being mm-hmm. the approach. Um, I want yeah. to give it to Evangelion mm-hmm. for just a, a yes. quick second. sure. Um, Absolutely. How did you approach Asuka's German dialogue? Because obviously that's something that, you know, for, you know, when you think of dubbing an anime, you're not thinking about mm-hmm. having to dub the Japanese to English only. It, it's mm-hmm. Japanese, English, and now a German section as well. How did you approach that?
1: Well, I was super excited. My mom told me when I was taking German in high school that that was a bad idea and that I should take Spanish and that it was never (laughs) going to be useful. And I was super excited. Like, what? Asuka's from Germany? I mean, it was great. It was so exciting for me. In fact, it was the single biggest disappointment for me in the Rebuild movies, well, that and maybe Mari. But I was so disappointed in the Rebuild movies. Like, but, I mean, I, I don't get to speak German anymore. That is disappointing. And so my first um, script adapting that I ever did for an anime dub was writing all of uh, the the German dialogue for Asuka. Well, not all of it, but a lot of her German dialogue. I mean, I could listen to um, some of what was done originally. Um, Miyamura did not take German in high school. And so for her, it was terrifying to have to try to speak German when she had never spoken German before was for me. And I was like, Oh, I'm conversationally fluent in German. This is going to be fun. Uh, so that was for me, it was great. I, I was thrilled about being able to do that. And, uh, she and I have talked about how that was really difficult for her. I'm sure she was relieved that Oscar doesn't speak German in the new movies.
0: <laughs> um, Getting back to what you were saying about, you know, watching something and being able to have a genuine shock, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you watch something. What were your first thoughts when you first saw End of Evangelion? Because I, even as crazy as the show gets, as crazy as the show gets, I I don't Mm -hmm. think anyone can be prepared for that movie. I mean, it opens with this (laughs) this shocking. (laughs) uh, I mean, yeah, which is a a sexual assault basically, and then from there it it gets so much more surreal and it ends in such a oh, it, in a this completely abstract ending you know with Shinji and yes. Asuka on the beach and, and, and the Red Sea and all that what were your yeah. feelings when you first saw that movie
1: yeah um, I can remember it very well actually uh, when End of Evangelion came out in Japan of course everybody was dying for it to get brought over uh, to the U.S., you know, and people didn't have high-speed internet back then, so you couldn't just, like, go somewhere and stream it online because there was no streaming. Um, but, um, you know, within relatively sh- short order, a lot of fan du- fan subs got were circulating around, and so people were watching it, you know, and... Um, I really wanted to see it, and people were clamoring for it to come over. But it took a couple of years of finagling for for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So I talked to a friend of mine that I knew how to hook up, and I said, "Hey, I want you to get me a copy get me a get me a fan sub of Intimave." So I got it, and I watched it by myself in my living room, sitting on my couch and i was screaming horrible things at shinji because he's a whiny <laughs> little bitch so i was <laughs> screaming that's pretty at much shinji. everyone's
0: reaction yeah, to shinji yeah i know yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know here i am screaming at him like why won't you help me me you know why won't you help me and that was my reaction i mean it, i was just gutted watching it for the first time it was really upsetting I mean as upsetting as it was to a lot of people it was really really upsetting to me you know you think like oh man Asuka's kicking ass with all these uh mass production unit things and
0: nope she's killing
1: them you know (laughs) tight I like birds I don't know if anybody's seen the mega 64 version but (laughs) I love that anyway so yes I was ah, traumatized heavily heavily traumatized when I watched that and then, of course, we finally we did dub it, and um, and there was Amanda Winley directed it, and there were a couple places in the script that she would just put a note in there. Tiffany swears in German, and <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Okay, Tiff, give me a good cuss word for that." You know, and that, and that again, fun with the German. So. <clears throat>
0: um. So uh, I guess again, kind of in the, the the idea of first reactions, wh- when you were proposed mm-hmm. with voicing Nagamine in in Gamera, yeah, w- were were you familiar with the Gamera series? I mean, at uh, that point, Gamera was known as you know kind of a almost bottom of the barrel, super cheap, um, mm-hmm. super campy kaiju property. Were were you familiar with the reputation? Yes. And what were your expectations? Did you think it would be as good as it was? I don't think Um, anyone did, but...
1: (laughs) I did not. No, I did not think it would be as good as it was. Um, I wasn't super knowledgeable. Oh, my gosh. Please, everyone, don't hate me. I wasn't super knowledgeable about kaiju at the time, okay? I mean, like, I was aware of Godzilla, and that was about it. I mean, I kind of knew there were other Japanese monsters, but I did not know very much about them or anything, and... um, When Matt Greenfield, who, of course, he directed Evangelion also, but when he was going to, when he was casting and writing and directing and producing uh, Guardian of the Universe, he was, uh, he, he has encyclopedic knowledge of all things kaiju, of all things. He knows all the things. Anyway, but when he was going to do it, he wanted to use people he'd worked with before. Granted, we'd only been dubbing anime for about two years But he wanted to use his, you know, most experienced people um, because he was just it was such a daunting process to do that. Uh, So I just went in and like, okay, you know, very much relying on his guidance, knowing that he's an expert in Kaiju and uh, Gamera and all of those things. And it was his fulfilled his lifelong dream where he's the very first person who is killed by the Gauss. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he only oh, put his parents and his brother in there and they all get uh they all get killed uh by by Gauss. so that was pretty pretty fun for him um i, I was yeah i didn't know that it was gonna you know have like siskel and ebert do thumbs up of course they were reviewing the the sub and not the dub but in any case it uh it was very well received it's yeah. uh, pretty pretty highly thought of at this point yeah and, you know, now now at the 25th anniversary, or actually past that, it's 25 years since we did it. But
0: yeah, um, well, you mentioned uh, in passing that you also do the ADR scripts for for a lot of things. Um, yeah. And yes, I have. So, which, which mm-hmm. to people that might not know, that's essentially taking the translated script, mm-hmm. the, the the from right. Japanese to English, and then basically making it make sense. Um, right. You know, how did you get, in, it, yeah, mm-hmm. making it sound Fit. digestible, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How did you get involved in, in doing that regularly? Well,
1: um, after I had been working with ADV for about a year, um, dubbing a few different shows, uh, Matt Greenfield asked me if I wanted to work on some uh kind of polishing up some translations for subtitled shows. So I did, I don't know, about a dozen of those. Uh, A lot of them were hentai. And uh, anyway, but, you know, this was just kind of cleaning up the, not the content, obviously, but the grammar and uh, making it flow better. And as I always like to say, brevity is the soul of subtitles. So, yeah, so I did that for a while and... Then uh, after several years, I, I found out that they were they had started hiring um, script writers because they used to just have the the director would you know one person would be like the writer, the producer, the director, and they started kind of splitting those jobs up so one person didn't have so much stuff to do. And I went to the production manager and I said I'd like to get a test to um, to you know get a job as a as a as a script adapter. And so I, I got the test, and I passed the test, and then I, I started doing that. And uh, there, there's a lot of nuance to it. Uh, you have to keep in mind all of the original intention of the line, but it also has to fit in the mouth flaps. So as I mentioned before, they're not really phonetically positioned. It's not. This is not like Western-style prelay animation where a voice is recorded. And then the lips are meticulously drawn to seemingly form those words. It's just strictly little animated mouths opening and closing. So as long as you start and end at the right time, you're perfect. Uh, but yeah, so nuancing the lines. I'm always my overarching goal to to keep the original intention of the, of the line in, but it, that doesn't necessarily mean a specific word choice. As I like to say, when, um, you know, we cultures, we all, I'm sure every culture in the world uses um, metaphors and uh, a, a lot of, a lot of shorthand jargon, you know, when people say that Scientists are trying to discover a Goldilocks planet. We all understand what that means You don't you know, because we all know the story of Goldilocks Mm -hmm. and the three bears. So there are a lot of things like that and uh, When somebody says oh, yeah, he's he doesn't have both oars in the water. You're not talking about a boat So that's my point is you need to keep the same intention It doesn't necessarily have to be the same words but the same intention And that's what I always kept front of mind in script adapting, because it's not even if I don't like the story, I don't really like this particular scene or whatever. That's not my job. My job is just to localize what they were saying from Japanese into English and for it to fit the mouth flaps.
0: So specifically. Speaking of, you know, you, mm-hmm. you brought up the Goldilocks example. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That actually kind of segues into my next question, which is about mm-hmm. uh, a film that you did a script adaptation for, which was Tokyo, The Last Megalopolis.
2: Um, oh, yeah. I did do that,
0: that. That story leans very heavily into Japanese history, historical events, mythology. Did that, do you recall if that made it, difficult for you to understand the the film and the references enough to get that um that effect in in the adaptation that you just described
1: um it does make it more difficult when i have to research anything in that that particular script i only worked on the subtitles that was as far as i know that was never dubbed or if it was i didn't work on that so i worked on the the subtitled script for that my rule is any time I work on any project, if some topic comes up that's um, historical or it's math or anything like that, I always research it. I always try to find out what it is. What are they talking about? Um, a large portion of the time what they say is actually wrong. <laughs> so that's <laughs> another reason to look it up. Uh, that's always good. Um, my very First show that I did this the dub scripts for was um, a clamp title called Angelic Layer, and in the course of the series, um, the location Anchor Wat is mentioned. It's a very famous ancient historical site, and so there's a line in there, and I, I did this like 18 years ago, but there was a line in there where um, the announcer who's talking about it, and he says. It's such and such hundreds of years old or it was built in 1302 or what. I don't remember. But anyway, so whatever he said, I was like, hmm, I think I'll look that up. And whatever it was, it was wrong. Like they said it was the wrong date or the wrong year or something. So that's and it, for me, that's important. Like, I don't want it to just be like whatever they said in Japanese. Although like, they said the wrong thing. So we're going to go ahead and say that, too. You know, I, I'm also fact checking at the same time. So science, history, math, all that kind of stuff, I look it up and I make sure I had to do, when I was doing the scripts for the second season of um, of Oh My Goddess, you know, that is influenced by Norse mythology. It is not meant to be, at least I assume it's not meant to be, an exact representation of Norse mythology, it's more like inspired by, but I didn't know a lot about Norse mythology, so I was constantly, you know, looking things up and uh, making sure that I was understanding all the references. So that's, for me anyway, as doing the script adaptations, super, super important.
0: Okay. Awesome. Um, we are at about 30 minutes. I just want to check. Is uh-huh. it okay if we go a few minutes over? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sure. I'm um, fine. All right. Matt, you have the next question. Yeah,
2: so I, I recall hearing the dub for uh, AVA 3.0 basically had to be redone. I think it was at <laughs> Studio Car's request. Well, well, can you tell us what yes. happened there?
1: Um, I can tell you what I know about what happened. Um, yes. So we, the movie came out, we didn't do the dub for gosh, a couple of years. It took a long time for us to finally do the, the original dub and we did it and we were waiting and waiting and waiting and it wasn't coming out, wasn't coming out. Finally, it got uh, a theatrical release. So it was released in select theaters across uh, the U S and Canada And, and it, it was uh, fairly successful. I mean, considering it was just one weekend and uh, I think people did enjoy watching it. I did not, I unfortunately did not get to, I was traveling, there was something going on anyway, I didn't get to go and see it that weekend. And then I was assuming that it was going to be coming out. You know, on on home video, on um, DVD, Blu-ray, etc. Within a few months after that, it didn't come out. It didn't come out. It didn't come out. And I'm not understanding what's going on. And then finally I hear, nope, Kara wants a bunch of things changed. And it was... A lot of it really nitpicky stuff, but we, the the subtitle of the movie is You Cannot Redo. Well, we did. We did (laughs) redo. We redid the whole darn thing, or or almost all of it, anyway. um, uh, Just a a lot of really nitpicky stuff. Um, I, Asuka, had for years always called... Uh, Ikari, I'd always called him Stupid Shinji Couple of things, first of all it's alliterative So it sounds good Uh, Another thing is stupid Has two syllables Two mouth flaps But they insisted that instead of stupid Shinji That I say idiot Shinji Which is much more difficult to say Is not alliterative Has three syllables (laughs) instead of two And also is not historically What she called him So and by the way, here I think this is the most critical thing. They're synonyms.
0: Right. They're
1: synonyms. <laughs> and and um, you know, possibly that, that's a difficult concept in Japanese to to get. Um I don't I really don't know as much as I have picked up about Japanese over the years, I don't know if there really are synonyms. I mean, gosh, you could have buckets full of synonyms for stupid or idiot or dumb or whatever depending on if you wanted a word that had one or two or three syllables which is really important to have a great thesaurus when you're adapting scripts uh but just you know it was a lot of little nitpicky stuff like that um they really wanted to focus heavily on me calling shinji a brat like seven thousand freaking times (laughs) which got very old from my point of view as much as they wanted me to say it um And the thing that I hated the most probably was four-eyed crony. Um, That's not an expression that anyone who is a native English speaker would ever use. No one would ever say that. That's not a real thing. That's not the way the word crony is used. Um, (laughs) It's just not. And when we did the original dub, Asuka was calling her four-eyes. But it was super, super important for them to... I mean, the idea being that Asuka and basically none of the characters seem to know, like, where did this Mari person come from? You know, where did she come from? What's she about? Who's she doing now? You know, must be some kind of backdoor dealing, some kind of cronyism, something like that. So it wouldn't have been enough to just say it once to, like, establish the idea. No, they wanted it just hammered in all the freaking time. It sounds ridiculous. It doesn't fit the mouth flaps. And I hate it so much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's. Bizarre. I
1: Hate it! I hate
0: it. Um, but well, speaking of, they were insistent. Uh, well, speaking of uh, <laughs> it, it, translation uh, mm-hmm. s- items, I guess uh, being forced on you. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Amanda Winley recently uh, on Twitter mm-hmm. said that the, she had an, her NDA expire, and she said that the current Evangelion translation, which I'm sure you know. You know the one on Netflix is is pretty Mm -hmm. controversial. Um, She said that way back 25 years ago they tried to push that Uh same translation on you guys, and Matt at ADV pushed back on it. What exactly was that all about? Why? What what was? Yeah,
1: well, a lot of the things like that Matt complained about, and and he was that was when he was dealing with Gynax, so. First of all, I'd like to say that when we did the TV series, it wasn't just like some willy-nilly, we're going to do anything that we want with it kind of thing. No, it was heavily supervised by Gainax. They were approving, uh, uh, you know, the scripts. They, were appro- they approved the casting. They had approval over a lot of aspects of what we were doing. And there were some things that he had to fight back on. For example, in Japanese, they do not have plural nouns. That's that's difficult for me to grasp as a native English speaker. And, of course, a lot of other languages do have plurals. German has plurals. But Japanese does not have plural nouns. So they could not understand why you can't say that Shinji is the third children. Well, <laughs> because one person cannot be a children. And we're native <laughs> English speakers. And, yes, in the Japanese version, if you listen, you can hear... Uh, Yuko miyamura refer to Shinji Akari as the Titrin. Okay? She does call him that. That doesn't <laughs> but we can speak English. It doesn't mean we have to say it just because they said it wrong. Again, you know, I could Google right now and look at when when Anchor Watt was built, but you know, if I'm if it's gonna be in my show, I'm gonna say the right thing. So It was little things like that. That's not even a little thing. That's a big thing. But so there were some points, you know, he acquiesced on a lot of what they wanted, but on certain things like that, you know, you've got to fight for some things. like This is for an English-speaking audience. It cannot sound stupid. And I mean, I personally, I disagreed very strongly with some of the changes that they wanted to make in in 3.0, but ultimately we had to do it because i mean i guess my only recourse would have been to just quit and say no i'm not going to mm-hmm. do it well they would have found somebody else to be oscar who would have happily said whatever the hell yeah, they wanted we, we to don't say want that.
0: um <laughs> no i well yeah i think the most controversial uh thing in that the translation they you know wanted want everyone to use for the series was caro saying i like you instead of i love you uh, yeah
1: yeah and, I, you know, I've had long discussions with Matt about that as well, and his feeling and my feeling, and, and you know, in spite of all the millions of fanfics out there, Kauru is not human. And to me, when he says, I love you to Shinji, I never, I never interpreted as a romantic love. Mm-hmm. I to me it's more of like a celestial love, like the love of God you know, like that. I, I think it's like a pure love of another person, like love for humanity. I think when he says, and it's so powerful when he says it to Shinji I mean, it's, it's not a powerful message to someone to say, I like you Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, no. There's no <laughs> power, and also so as Matt said to me one time, it's like that's also kind of creepy. Like I like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, yeah, I, I I could not possibly disagree more strongly with their choice to change that from I love you to I like you. And a lot of people saw it as straight washing, and you know from some points of view maybe it it is like I said, for me, and I have no problem at all, if if people want to interpret it that way, just me personally, my interpretation is that it is just a pure love, just a love of another person, that he he loves Shinji for who he is, he just he just loves him, he accepts him and Shinji's never had that except, well, since his mother died you know, his father sure, certainly has never shown him any love and He's not really getting love from Misano or Oscar, and I, I just—it's, yeah—it's it, it, a—it's a terrible decision in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Well, as we're wrapping up, I just want to have mm-hmm. a, just a couple more yeah. questions mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about how the recording process has changed over the years? I mean, I can't even imagine with the leap in technology how it's how it's yeah. changed.
1: Yeah. It it has changed tremendously, which is why it was so difficult for me to cast my mind back and think about, like, how many hours did it take to record, you know, one or two episodes of Evangelion back then? Because it did take us so much longer to record back in those days. Now, I've only ever recorded digitally. I did not ever record on tape, so I have not done that. Um, I, all of my work has been in the digital era, although it was pretty new when I started in 94. Um, processing technology has improved incredibly. All of the like editing software and things that the engineers have access to uh, has just progressed by leaps and bounds. I can remember very well uh, in the 90s you know, doing a take and the director would say something like, oh, that was a great take. Oh, it was just a little bit too long. Ah, that was just a little bit too short. And there was nothing they could do about it. Well, now they can just, with the the software that's available now, editing software or Pro Tools or whatever, they're able to just slice out these tiny micro nano bits of air out of there and they can compress something. I mean, you know, just two or three percent, not a lot. Or they can stretch it two or three percent and you can't hear it. It doesn't affect the quality of the performance, you know. And before, if it was too long or too short, you just had to redo it. And and they can. And when you're working with great audio engineers, they can fix it in a snap, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and it's great for the actors because it really saves your voice that you don't have to keep redoing something a bunch of times when the director is like, oh, that was that performance was great. Oh, man, it was too long, you know so there's that and then another really big thing is back in the day when we would be recording and you'd go from one episode to the next episode it would take a long time you know they have to okay we're finished recording episode seven let's go to episode eight and so the engineer has got to back up everything that you just recorded and then they've got to load that next episode into the system well, changing episodes even like 2004 2005 Oh well that'd be when you go and take a break you know go to the bathroom make yourself a sandwich it was going to be like 10 or 15 minutes or something to change between episodes now it's virtually instant you know you think about like if you're streaming something online and it's like that it's like it's just there immediately like if you Download a song, you know what I mean? Like you download it and then you're listening to it almost instantly It just happens that fast and so that that aspect has changed tremendously Uh, so yeah, the technology is is incredible and then of course all of us have just gotten so much better at doing it So where we used to do maybe 20 cues in an hour You know, I know i've done 40 and 50 cues in an hour Mm -hmm. Because it's, you know, I can work a lot faster, and the technology is just that much better to be able to, to fit, to fit those lines into place.
0: Um, well, would you say that Asuka is your favorite mm-hmm. performance that you've done? Mm.
1: Uh, possibly. Um, it's certainly I. No doubt it's the most consequential. I mean, yeah. that's, I don't think there's even a question of that. It, it's so hard to say, like, if she's my favorite, uh, like, as far as just from a purely from a performance standpoint, because I can tell you, I love voicing critters. Any kind of dog or critter, animal, alien, whatever, that is my jam, I absolutely love any kind of little critter. To do that, that is my favorite thing. I would do that all day every day if I if I could. I I love doing that. And and little boys, I love playing little boys. It's <laughs> super fun. Or little boy critters, all of that it's great. It's the best. So, I mean, I do. I love Oscar. She's so special to me. And you know, I I would never want anybody else in English to voice her. I mean, I know that's happened once already with Netflix, technically. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I would never, you know, as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm able to talk, I would never want anybody else to be Asuka in English.
2: Awesome. So, yeah. to close this out, do you have any mm-hmm. current projects you'd like to, to talk about or announce or plug? Or
1: mm-hmm. Um... Let me see, thinking about what I can talk about, because you know... Well,
0: Amazon announced they were going to have AVA4. Can we expect to hear you there?
1: Well, I hope so. I (laughs) hope that's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Amazon's supposed to drop it on the 13th of next month, so...
1: Okay, well, let's just say fingers crossed. (laughs) I I hope so, I hope so. Um, I have worked on... uh, Several video games recently i actually just did a new i hope i'm allowed to say this but uh i did a character in warframe about three years ago rocky and i just a month or so ago did a new i can't think of what the right word is but segment or new adventure or whatever new new scene new thing that that she's in so i did that um recently and um Oh, gosh, yeah, there is something that I worked on, a couple of things I worked on recently that I can't, I don't think I'm allowed to say what they are (laughs) yet. But anyway, yeah, um, so um, that, if people are looking for more information on that, uh, my website is TiffanyGrant.com. I also have a Facebook group that I'm sure you can search on Facebook for. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big social media person, so I do not tweet. I don't have the Gram I have my Facebook group, so I, I interact with people in the Tiffany Grant uh, Facebook group there. Uh, it is the Tiffany Grant Fan Club, I think is what it's called. And no, I did not start my own fan club, but it's called Tiffany Grant Fan Club. So uh, somebody else started it, and uh, oh gosh, after it had been around for like uh, five or six, seven years, I finally joined it, and <laughs> and I'm really active on there, actually, so... People um, post stuff, we chat. It's a very drama free place where um, it's peace, love, and anime and kaiju. <laughs> and um, oh, I, speaking of like kaiju um, and that kind of stuff, uh, well, first of all, I'm doing, a, I have three conventions I can announce right now after not having done conventions for a year and a half. And um, later this month, I'm doing TigerCon in Valdosta, Georgia. Next month, I'm going to be at Queen City Anime Con in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, in October, I will be at Monsterama Con. I'm sure I have not been announced as anything there, but Matt Greenfield is going to be there as a guest, and he asked me to come and do a panel with him about dubbing. (laughs) So uh, we're going to be talking about dubbing um, Gamera, etc. So, uh,
0: yeah. Awesome. Um, All right, well... I mean, with your body of work, uh, and I mean, so many great titles, we didn't even get a chance to talk about. We could, we could go on forever, but uh, I know that um, you were generous enough to go over your your time limit a bit with us. So thank you. You're, you've been awesome. Um, this has been fun, so and much, guys. Um, yeah, no, thank you so much for doing this. And um, um, we hope everyone at home enjoyed listening as well.